Welcome to the Corner Booth. I'm Chris Tripoli, along with my friend Barry Schuster, the founding editor of Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. How you doing, Barry? I'm doing well, Chris. Thanks very much for asking. I'm looking forward to talking to our special guest today and finding out how they got in the restaurant business, why they got in the restaurant business, and hearing some pearls of wisdom from them uh, that be useful to our, our listeners today. Absolutely. And we're going to have some fun because we've got a really good show lined up. So uh, grab a drink, make yourself comfortable, and welcome to the Corner Booth. Barry, this week we're having some fun being here in Alexandria, Louisiana. We get to visit with Lee Gwynn. Lee is the proprietor of Spirits, and Spirits is this city's finest uh, American-style casual full-service cafe and bar. Lee, welcome to the Corner Booth. So Lee, uh, Chris and I um, were talking before this uh, recording and he shared some information about your background and uh, you came to the restaurant business uh, uh, from a kind of unusual path. Uh, you were in the computer industry uh, in Austin at some point. You want to tell us a little bit about how you uh, got from there to here? Sure. Yeah, I, uh, uh, that was my first career job was working for Dell Incorporated out of Austin, Texas. and. Uh, worked for those guys for almost 14 years. Uh, I traveled around the United States putting computer systems into school districts around uh, the U.S. and worked with an integrator partner to uh, put curriculum software on computers in schools. And so I did a lot of traveling in that job. And um, toward the end of my career there, I was traveling four or five days a week and waking up in hotel rooms. Not really remembering where I was, what city, who I was going to visit, and so forth. And uh, my beautiful wife, Tracy, who is also my partner in crime at the restaurant, uh, and I decided to start having a family. And um, spending four or five nights on the road is not real real friendly to the, uh, the family environment. So we started talking about maybe me looking for something else that would keep me closer to home. And I always like to tell this joke. Um, a few years ago, I won an award, a, a small business award here in our local community, and uh, I stood up to accept the award, and everyone asked the same question, you know, how did you end up from computers into the restaurant business? And my response was, you know, I just want to spend more time at home, um, which, you know, about half the room got it and fell out of their chairs, because as we all know in this industry, um, Owning a restaurant doesn't necessarily keep you close to home. <laughs> no kidding. No, it's uh, pretty involved. <laughs> so the goal was the goal was to spend more time at home, uh, but when we bought the restaurant, obviously I was putting in 16, 17 hour days uh, sometimes, and so although I didn't spend a lot more time at home, I at least got to sleep in my own bed. So um, that was the main goal was to be able to spend spend the night at home. So. I was uh, allowed that. Hey, Barry, I think this is a good time to take a moment so we can say thank you to those that actively support the independent restaurant operator, like today's sponsor, Benny Keith Food Company. I don't know if you realize this, but it's been over 100 years or so that they've been offering many, many different products, uh, food, services, and equipment. This is the reason why they're known as the home of the independent restaurant operator. Uh, because they believe in the strong success of the restaurant operator, they offer assistance with management, inventory solutions, menu planning, item costing, and more. So to our listeners, I'd say if you'd like to learn a little bit more about how the professionals at Ben E. Keith can help you and your restaurant succeed and grow, just contact them, 832-652-5888, or visit them on uh, the website, bennykeith.com slash food slash host. So you started, you started out with uh, a concept that was already in operation, and uh, did, you, did you take that over? Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, why you chose that concept and uh, you know, what did you do differently with it once you took over the reins? Sure. Well, when, when we bought Spirits in 2005, it was, a, it was a small, primarily lunch place um, that served po boys and hamburgers and salads and so forth and they were open uh, five days a week for lunch and four uh, nights a week uh, for dinner and closed on weekends and so um, we 
dining there. Uh, my wife and I did enjoy dining there before, and um, they had music and, and craft beers and things like that. It was just a small neighborhood place that we enjoyed to go. Mm-hmm. And when I started thinking about making a transition out of corporate America and into something else, the, you know, the restaurant idea was was something that um, really kept coming back into my thought process. And so I was even thinking about you know opening up and developing my own concept or maybe even looking at a, a popular franchise. I just wasn't sure, but I, my heart kept leading me toward the restaurant industry. And when I found out that my friend Gary Perkins, who is now my business partner and another concern, um, was looking to sell, we uh, strongly considered buying spirits, and um, we worked through that, and in October of 2005, bought spirits from Gary, and, uh, you know, that was working on 15 years ago, so um, it's it's been a fun run. Okay, so that's it. So a friend of yours, Gary, was actually considering selling it, and that's when he decided, I think I'll just do this. That's right. And so Gary, um, you know, was very helpful in the beginning um, when I bought it. Obviously, he had a lot of community goodwill involved in his operation. He was a very hands-on owner-operator. And um, so, you know, he was he stayed on with me for several weeks, if not a month, to train me on, on the ins and outs of, of the restaurant business because basically it was a, it was a very popular, ongoing concern that um, I stepped in and it wasn't slowing down. Um, And so I had to learn everything on the fly in real time uh, with Gary helping me. And that was, Gary's Gary's role was, when I say hands-on owner-operator, he unlocked the door in the morning and locked it up at night and then I did that as well. So, you know, learning everything from how to run a disc machine to how to order order products, you know, hiring and firing, uh, doing payroll, paying sales tax. I mean, just the whole thing that small small businesses, small restaurant owners have to do. I had to learn on the fly in real time, um, you know, during really successful lunch and dinner shifts. So to say it was challenging would be an understatement. Uh, But it was a great education and... um, I can tell you that first year of operation was um, quite eye-opening. How long did it take you to get to the point where you weren't working so much in the business but were able to step back and work on the business? And can you talk about that uh, stage in your uh, personal evolution as a restaurant owner? I'll tell you, Barry, it was, it was about five years. Um, I was, I was, when I fought spirits, he, Gary had one manager who took one Thursday a night, it was Gary's night off was Thursday. Other than that, he worked every shift and it was my expectation that I was going to do the same thing. So I was working um, every shift except for Thursday night. I got maintained his schedule and quite frankly did that for about five years. And I, I got to a point where I knew I wasn't going to be able to do that forever. And um, like you said, I wanted to work more on my business and, and a lot, not a lot less in it because I enjoyed the work, but I knew that there were things that we wanted to do as a company that I just wasn't able to do because we didn't have time because I was working every single minute of the day in the business. And so finally I just said, all right, I'm going to take a little bit of a pay cut and I'm going to hire another manager. Great. And so I did and I started taking a few more shifts off and was able to actually start doing some things that allowed us to to grow. And that was, I'm sorry, please go ahead. And it took me about five years to get to that point. Honestly, I was was so wrapped up in it that, uh, you know, I just felt like that's what you did. I felt like that's that's all I knew. I, I felt like that's what small restaurant owner operators did. It's just you work every day, all day. And I know a lot of us still do. Um, but I came to the realization that if I was going to grow the business and accomplish um, some things that we wanted to do, that I was going to have to take a step step back and, and start to allow someone else to take some of the pressure off. So- and so um, I hired another sales manager. And at the same at the same time, hired a bookkeeper because uh, we were keeping all of our own 
needed to do. So you have a casual burger, po' boy, craft beer place. It's very popular. Um, so when you talk about expanding the concept um, and enlarging the concept, what did that entail with that type of uh, restaurant concept? Well, what we did first, because we were open Monday through Friday at that location, and so what we did first was start to expand our hours. So we started opening on Saturdays, and, um, and then eventually got to where we're open on Monday nights as well. And so we, we, we ended up being a six-day-a-week operation. So that was one one area we knew we wanted to, 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 to expand was to expand our operating hours. Um, and then we really started to work on expanding our carryout business and to-go business. And um, once we did those two things, uh, obviously we saw some quick returns in revenue, but we also got you know the pressure of hiring, having to hire more staff and the, the longer hours meant more employees. And, and so, um, you know, with the good comes the challenge. And, um, but we, we worked our way through that. And uh, quite frankly, our lunch business and carryout business was growing at a, just a rapid pace. And I guess about eight years into it, um, we were at a point to where we couldn't put in another body in, in, in seats during lunch. And we couldn't take any more to go work. We would get to a point where during the day, during lunch, we just have to turn the phone off, and we realized that the demand was 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 there that we had we created a significant amount of demand because when, when I bought the company back in 2005, we were doing the, you know revenue in the you know mid six figures, and eight years later we're we're touching we're touching a million dollars in annual sales in a small 2,000 square foot cafe. Um, and we were just kind of bust, busting at the seams. And so I knew that um, we kind of hit the ceiling in this location, but, um, and started thinking about expanding, but really what was unsure how. And, um, you know, growing that spot was not going to, to, to work. Because even if we opened seven days a week, we we're still going to be at max capacity. Um, and the equipment was aging and the building was aging and uh, you know so on and so forth so started thinking about um, you know maybe possibly moving and getting and uh, building a new location or finding a, a, a existing location a restaurant that was we could remodel and move into and um, started putting my business plan together and quite Quite frankly, I got my business planning software and spreadsheet from restaurantowner.com. Very good. It's good stuff there. Love to hear that. Well, changing your location, yeah. that that seems like a really huge deal. Um, I have to imagine you were well-branded enough that your customers and guests would follow you to the next place. But um, I would still think that, you know, there's a lot of thinking involved and hey where is the best location so we don't lose momentum right and you know i started putting my business plan together and my forecast together and 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 basically trying to project out what we thought we could do if we moved and how many seats we would need and how many square feet we would need and so forth and i put my business plan together and then i, I went around uh and visited with other friends that were in the industry in Alexandria. And I was also at the time on the state board, uh, the Louisiana Restaurant Association state board. And so I had access to a lot of, of you know, really brilliant restaurant guys uh, from around the state. And I vetted out my business plan and I talked about where I was today and where I wanted to go. And I asked for people to find holes in my, pro my plan and, you know, basically talk me out of it because I was really nervous and it was going to be quite a uh, financial, uh, you know, risk, you know, a calculated risk, but it was still going to be a, a financial risk. And, and like you said, well, my customers, will they follow or will they get upset if we move or, you know, so on and so forth. And so after about 18 months of vetting it out and, and, going through it over and over again. Uh, I pitched the proposal to my, my local bank and um, they said, go for it. And we were able to find a piece of property that was 
about 200 yards from the existing location. So it was really important to us. Conspiracy has been around for about 50 years. Um, it was really important to us to stay in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were, once the word got out that we were going to, to expand and move, we recorded from developers all around the city to come to, come to this area, go to this area. We really thought it was best that we stayed in the neighborhood. So we were able to find a piece of property that was within walking distance of the old location. And, uh, is that what led you, uh, uh, because of, is that what led you then to the decision to actually buy land and build the building? Um, was it because of that availability or was that something that you were hoping that you could do anyway? Well, I mean, it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of both, Chris. And we, you know, I, I, we, we didn't mind being in a great lease situation, but we really thought that building some equity uh, into our business would be great and owning our own real estate would be great. And, mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we looked at both, and in the end, we got a, a great deal on the piece of property that we ended up building on, and um, and everyone we spoke with really really felt that, that, that building and owning our own structure would be the best way to go, mm-hmm. so we did. Was your financing all institutional, or did, uh, did you go out to other people's money besides uh, uh, putting your own equity into it? No, it was, it was, it was private. Uh, it was my own and and very closely held family and um and institutional finances excellent so so what we have here then is growing because of popular demand i don't think there's many listeners that can identify with the fact of perhaps being so busy that the best thing to do is just simply turn off the phone during peak periods so you had some unusual tremendous following customer loyalty and that's what drove you to expand uh, then you were right. fortunate enough to expand and stay right in the same neighborhood. So that's wonderful. Okay, then we covered how you decided to buy the land and building. Now we're creating equity. Could you walk us through the next step then? And what did you do to the concept um, as far as maybe it's changing or modifications for it to grow into its new building? Well, the first step we, we took, and it was before we opened, we, I hired an executive chef and for the first time in the history of spirits because basically it was a a a a prep and cook run restaurant you know with me as oversight i was i was i was owner gm and kitchen manager and front of house manager uh all rolled into one and um realized that when we were going to expand that i really wanted to focus on the culinary aspect of of the expansion and because i wanted to expand the menu i wanted to up you know bring things up I, I wanted to not not that being a burger popo and salad place the most popular burger popo and salad place in alexandria was all bad it was actually very good but we wanted to polish the brand we wanted to polish the menu we wanted to polish how people perceived us but without disengaging our customers right we didn't want right. to we wanted them to still love everything about what we were doing, but we didn't want to polish it up so much that people didn't recognize who we were anymore. So, um, you know, I took a lot of my travel and um, experience in other cities and dining and kind of rolled it into what my vision of uh, the new spirits would be because we wanted it to be comfortable. We wanted to feel like it was uh, a part of the neighborhood, but at the same time, we wanted to be able to walk in and go, wow, I just walked into a restaurant in Austin, or I just walked into a restaurant in Asheville, North Carolina, or New Orleans. We wanted people, we wanted to wow them, but at the same time, not scare them. <laughs> that makes sense. No, it makes great and, sense. Yeah, we accomplished I... that. I mean, you know, this is six years, it was six years ago, um, this November, uh, when we moved, and I have to say that the reception from our guests was was uh, overwhelmingly positive and humbling um, because they said, "Lee, you've transported us, you know, our community to a new level." But yet, it still feels like spirits, and that that's, that was really, really important to us and made us feel great that we hit the nail on the head with that. Um, well, you're to be so, congratulated on that because I think, you know, for our listeners' benefit, what, what we just talked about is the challenge that so many hands-on operators face with an established brand. 
and that is how to grow the business to the next step, how to add revenue, which in most cases means expanding the customer profile, but do it in a way that doesn't alienate the base. And so it sounds like you were able to do that. Way to go. If I'm hearing you. Thank you. And, uh, you know, when we hired our executive chef, I knew that that was going to be the first step in, in the, the culinary vision that, that I had. And um, so that was a first for us. And it was interesting. Um, and it, it, it really helped us develop the new menu where we kept all the classic items. And then we were able to add a few uh, a few a new things that were a little more elevated uh, from a culinary perspective. And, and so it, it enabled us to to keep our customer base happy with that great burger or that delicious salad that we're known for and been awarded for, but yet also maybe offer a piece of grilled fish or a nice steak. And so, um, you know, I, I would sit back and say, oh, we were really smart about doing it, but at the time we weren't sure how people were going to react. And um, I guess money, you know, the, the, the revenue is, is, is top. We, we grew from a, you know, a, a low six-figure uh, restaurant operation in 05 to, you know, touching close to $3 million a year in annual revenue today. So um, I guess we were successful when we, <laughs> when we uh, put it all together and decided to move. But it was not without challenges. I, I, I can assure you of that. And um, we 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 had all of our recipes, you know, written down on the backs of note cards and uh, in people's brains. Our key employees had, had trained me uh, to to operate the restaurant. A lot of the recipes were in their heads. And as we grew, you know, I realized real quickly that we're not in a good place. Um, we didn't have any documentation of recipes, hardly at all. We didn't have any real training programs uh, at all. Um, so we were living in a big restaurant, high volume, you know, multi-million dollar operation with nothing written down. Um, it sounds like uh, so, it sounds like the uh, getting your systems in order was a huge deal um, for you. Uh, talk about you know how your role changed um, as you expanded, um, going from you know we talked about you working in the business and working on the business. But what areas um, you mentioned systems uh, such as HR and marketing? What areas did you really have to ramp up your uh, skills and talent to take your concept to that next level? Well, the first step.
ongoing. You know, we've we've developed systems, we've documented processes and procedures and training. We've got a great ops manual now. Um, we, it, it, it's it's amazing how you can free up more more time just by having systems in place that people can follow. Yeah, maybe you could explain a little bit of the. Uh management structure at the time when you chose that you really wanted to get more improved and better structured what your role was as i guess we'd call owner slash gm how you manage the front of the house you had sort of a unique team approach if i remember correctly and then how the kitchen was being managed the listeners will kind of understand where you were what your starting point was and where you went from there yeah so early on i was everything owner, owner gm front of house manager back house manager um HR director and so forth. Not uncommon in, in, in our world, especially in small restaurants. But once we grew and moved over here, I still kept the same management structure. I was still owner GM and I had a, a pretty flat management structure under me. I had a, a an executive chef and kitchen and kitchen manager and then I had a front a, a front of house manager. And realized real quickly that we needed to we needed more front of house help. And so we, we quickly hired another front of house manager. And we ran that way for for many years. And uh, it was challenging. Our chef, you know, our chef left after about a year to take another job. And we kind of ran through kitchen managers. It was just, it was just hard uh, to find someone that, that had the skill set necessary to get the job done. Um, the front of house was at the, the whole time kind of maintaining their their own, but I was still wrapped up in day-to-day operations and, um, you know, human resource issues and so forth. And in May of last year, uh, finally decided through working with, with Chris and the, our, our business plan going forward to hire a general manager. And so after 14 years of doing it myself, I finally... I finally, uh, again, kind of looking back, you know, 10 years ago when I decided to hire a second um, second assistant manager to give me some time, I finally decided that hiring a general manager with, with industry experience and knowledge um, would really help me take it to the next step. What's the culture of your restaurant and uh, how do you build it and maintain it? I'm assuming that you have a certain vibe that you want to maintain in your business you have a certain way you want your staff to interact with guests you have a certain energy you're trying to maintain uh can you talk a little bit about that yeah you know spirits i mentioned earlier spirits has been around in our community in some form or fashion for right at 50 years um it started as a small a small italian deli and 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 cafe back in the late 60s and it was always an owner-operated uh, uh, location as a, a restaurant. It was um, so the owner played a key role in the in the development of of the culture and the customers. And um, to this day, it's still the same. Uh, we our culture is about our community. I mean, it's we we are we're very involved in in our community outside of the restaurant and just. Tracy and I are kind of the face of, of what Spirits is. I mean, it's a, the, the full name of the restaurant is Spirits Food and Friends, and it's it's really true. I, you know, we view our customers and our employees uh, as friends and really family, uh, quite frankly. And that culture has really rubbed off over the years. So, you know, we have employees back there that have been with us or the organization for 25 years. You know, we've got our average employees probably, you know, three to four years working with us. And, you know, that's difficult in our industry to keep people and and not constantly turn turn folks over. And, and I think it's because of the culture that we've we've developed, which is is, you know, treating our customers and our employees the same. You know, as our friends and as our family understanding what their needs are and developing products and systems to, to help get them there. And, um, you know, I, we're known for our community involvement. We, we do several community events a year um, where we raise money for local nonprofits, whether it's the Food Bank of Central Louisiana or the Central 
15-hour days working in the restaurant, and now I'm, I'm, I'm one of the larger community fundraisers. <laughs> it's all the while still maintaining uh, this restaurant and, and a, a pizza concept that we developed five years ago that we're growing as well. So, and that's Wildwood uh, Pizza. You want to tell us a little bit about that and what took you in that direction? like to visit a little bit more back on the importance of the community involvement and how that has really impacted your brand and helped you maintain your culture. I think um, uh, I think there's a, an, an annual event that you started that you do in October and maybe you could outline a little bit about how that seems to be the pinnacle of your annual marketing plan. It, it, it is. It's, it's called Funktoberfest. 
weekend in October, and it's at a craft beer and music festival. And it is a non-for-profit event that we uh, donate the funds to local non-profits. Um, it originally started where we were providing music, uh, money for musical instruments for school band programs. And um, it has since expanded into other other um, non-profit uh, organizations. But you know, it started as a, a, just a small event that we wanted to have that was different uh, for our community. Um, and the first year, I think we sold maybe 500 tickets, which was good. I mean, it was, it was a success. Um, but last year, we sold over 2,200 tickets, and it's the largest non-for-profit fundraiser in our city. And, uh, and that's after four years of existence. Um, and it really is kind of the highlight of the fall in our community. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a multi-day event now. It starts on Friday and ends on Saturday night um, with, with lots of bands. Um, different restaurants participate, which is unique uh, because a lot of people would expect that Spirits would provide or Wildwood would provide all the concessions and the food, but we felt like it would be more important to engage other restaurants in our community. And so last year, five restaurants participated to sell food and uh, provide concessions for the event. And so we all shared in that. Um, and so it really is. It's, we, we've won some awards uh, for that festival. Um, we got an award for best nonprofit mm-hmm. uh, festival event, and um, we look forward to that one every year. We raised over fifty thousand dollars for local nonprofits through that through that single single event. In, in terms of marketing, where you have a cooperative event like that with. Uh, I'll call them your competitors, but they're your colleagues as well. Um, does a rising tide lift all ships in terms of uh, guest traffic? I'm sorry, I missed part of that. Well, Mary. I'm sorry. When when you in, get involved with your uh, your competitors and in, in that kind of uh, event, um, which is a wonderful thing because you're also your colleagues as well. Um, in terms of the marketing effect of that type of cooperative event, does a a rising tide lift all ships in terms of guest traffic all the way around in the community? I, I, I think so. Um, I think so. I think it shows It shows that we're working together. It shows that, um, you know, that, that the industry itself kind of has that culture. Um, you know, the, the restaurants that participated were all locally owned and operated establishments um, who, you know, with similar challenges and similar things going on and uh, I, I would say yes that, that that working together collaboratively like that just shows the, the, the greater good that we all do to the community and um, a lot of the, the ones the restaurants that participated also are, are engaged in the community doing other things as well and so it's kind of a you know birds of a feather flock together kind of kind of thing we um we all have our similar in minded uh, with the community and what we want to do and how we how we get involved. And I think for that, we all benefit. I think you're right. I think that's wonderful uh, to see the success uh, uh, where communities actually do like doing business with people they genuinely like. So doing things like this, I think, really helps all restaurants. Um, show that the business is important, but it's the humanity part of the community that's important. People like that, and they like doing business. Um, speaking of like, maybe you could talk a little bit more on the importance of live entertainment and the promotion of local entertainment, uh, because I think you try to use that a little bit in the in the day-to-day spirits uh, operation too. And is, is that more of a personal interest, or is that also got some community promotion behind it as well? He already had live music once a week. Um, it was on Wednesday nights, and it, it was kind of something that the community kind of rallied around and expected, quite frankly. And so I knew that I was going to continue to do that. Um, but for me, I, it wasn't enough. And so um, the demand was such that we were doing music three to four nights a week. Um, Wednesday nights, we would feature local musicians. On Friday nights, we 
started having, uh, you know, once a month, maybe twice a month, we'd have bands that were actually touring throughout the country come through and play. And we did that in the old location uh, very successfully for a long time. And when we moved to the new location, um, we actually built a stage with lighting and professional sound and so forth. Because uh, at the old location, we, we would take the corner of the restaurant and move the tables out of the corner and put the band in the corner and give up about eight seats in the restaurant and, and uh, have music. Um, and they'd have to bring their own equipment and so on and so forth. But when we built the new location, music was kind of the centerpiece of, of the, the, the entertainment culture aspect. And so we built a really nice stage with lighting and sound and started doing even larger acts uh, that were coming through the area on tour and, and still do that today. Um, I mean, Spirits is the place to go uh, for not only food and, and drink, but also uh, for, for live music entertainment. And so it's been a big part of our business uh, day one. So, um, Lee, what are some of the challenges you and other independent operators face now, in your opinion? I mean, you know, the, the human resources are always, um, in me, on the forefront from a, cha- from a challenging standpoint, you know, just, just um, employees, you know, keeping, finding employees, um, finding uh, people to work in the, in, the, in the restaurant and in the industry is, is always a challenge. Although we do have people that come and stay with us for a long time, we still have, you know, we still have empty positions at all times. So that's always a challenge. And, and, and I, don't, I don't see that not ever being a challenge. Um, you know, rising costs, you know, um, uh, whether it's through, through rising labor costs or through um, uh, cost of products, cost of goods, you know, continuing to rise, um, you know, those are those are big challenges, you know, because we want to stay in our what well, we, we we consider a, a good value for our customers, and so we want to keep our, our 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 cost in line, so we can keep our prices in line. Um, but I, I would say just the, the biggest challenges are, are, are human resources, uh, just humans, and getting. I got it. You know, getting people in and trained and developed into what you want and to buy off on your culture and and, and then stay with you. And, yes, sir. Uh, that's what we work hard at toward every day. Uh, I've learned a lot over over the 15 years of doing this, and, and for a long time we would just hire warm bodies, someone that had some some training, some experience, and get them in here and try and and mold them and fit them into our system, but. Several years back, and I'm going to say in the last four or five years, I've put a lot of pressure on a management team and a hiring team to hire the right people. You know, I would rather hire someone that walks in that has zero experience in the restaurant business, that is willing to learn and wants to be a part of what we're about and believes in what we're doing. I can take those people and train them to do the job. Good point. Um, you know, and so we're, we're really focused on hiring the right people um, up front and not just hiring warm bodies because we need someone to work, you know, fry or we need a dishwasher or what, so, so on and so forth. We, we want to hire the right people. It's a people business. That's what the, I'm hearing. Gets down to the people always, doesn't it, Absolutely. Chris? Hey, let's talk about the, your, uh, when I launch into your uh, final five faves here. Absolutely. We really appreciate the information you're sharing. Lee, your story is inspirational. Uh, The information you're sharing I know is helpful um, to our listeners. But but before we wrap up, we would like to just ask you five quick questions about some of your favorite things just to let people get to know you just a little bit better. Sure. So, uh, Lee, what's your uh, favorite go-to food item um, when you're in the mood for some comfort food? What's the thing that you like best? I love smoked meat. <laughs> okay, I'm there. <laughs> and I love, I love, I love going to great barbecue places. Uh, I love the state of Texas and their barbecue, and I know they've got good barbecue around the country. But um, I'm a smoked meat aficionado, um, and love to actually prepare it myself at home. I've got a smoker at home, and I've been 
working on a lot of different things. I'm trying a lot of different cuts of meat and uh, like buff that and trot tip and you know big bone in um, beef ribs and, and so I guess my go-to comfort food is is, is smoked smoked meat. Man, there's nothing wrong with that. Get that smoker going because we're about done. We'll just come on over. <laughs> hey, how about your favorite place to visit when you and Tracy are out? Do you have a best trip? Uh, we love going up to Colorado. Um, you know, we got engaged up there. I'm not going to say how long ago, but it was a very long time ago. Um, and <laughs> we, we kind of um, kindled our relationship and our life together there. And so it's always had a kind of a special place in our hearts because we, you know, kind of started our lives together there. But we really enjoy the outdoors. Our, our children enjoy the outdoors. And so we love to get up to the Rocky Mountains in Colorado and, yeah. and either in the summer or the winter or both. And we've been doing that or tried to have done that every year since we got married, whether it's just a, a short trip for the summer or, or a ski trip with the kids. We love going up to Colorado. I can understand that. It's beautiful year round. And so, um, your favorite restaurant, not including your own, of course, uh, some place that doesn't even have to be in your area, but some place that uh, is meaningful to you, or you really like, or it's it's that special date night place that you're, you're, you and your wife always go to. Um, what would that be? Man, that's a, that is a tough one. <laughs> uh, there's so many, so many good ones out there, but um, I guess what, I have to give you one of my current favorites because... Um, it's the one that sticks out most in my mind off the, off the, on the fly question like that. It would be Doris Metropolitan um, in New Orleans. Um, it's a wonderful That's a good place. Um, and uh, we'd love to go there and eat steak and drink wine. Mm-hmm. And then, um, do you have any uh, favorite persons, uh, people who have influenced you, mentors, uh, individuals that have... Uh, been inspirational to you on this, uh, particularly on this uh, journey as a successful restaurant operator. Man, I tell you, I, got it. I, I know he's going to say, Lee, don't say it, but it's Chris Tripoli. Um, <laughs> he, has been, he has been a mentor. He has, he has taught me more about uh, working on my business than any single human being uh, that I've interacted with. Um, and uh, continues to mentor me and, and lead me and, and help me make decisions uh, to expand my business and to make my business better. Um, so without a doubt, it's Chris Tripoli and his team of folks that he worked with for years um, at a la carte. Um, they have really helped us turn our operation around and get it on solid ground, helped us develop menus, uh, helped us launch a successful brunch uh, on Sundays, uh, which was a first for us. Uh, our culture, we were closed on Sundays. I didn't mention that earlier, but we were closed on Sundays forever. And back in May, we launched a brunch program on Sunday that, that has been very successful. And, you know, I, I, I can't think of anyone in the industry uh, that uh, means more to me and my family and, and our operation than Chris Tripoli. Wow. Well, thank you. That that's that. You're far too kind. Thank you. And uh, well, it's true. Uh, you know, it's when you when you work in an operation like this, it's growing and expanding. And you can't do it alone. So, um, and you know, I grew up as an owner operator, GM, dishwasher, fry cook. Um, you know receiving trucks I did it all I did it all from day one I've done every single job in the restaurant and realized quickly I couldn't do it anymore and um, Chris helped me get to where I am today which is working constantly on my business and um, yeah that's the truth and I'm sticking to that well that's awesome and and finally um, your favorite book or even a passage from a book, uh, not that you have a lot of time to read, but uh, you sound like a guy who stays on top of your own education and keep, continues to grow. So um, what would be, what would that be? Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, another inspiring character and he's in the industry um, is, is, is Danny Meyer. Um, oh, yeah. I love his book, Setting the Table. Um, I, I buy that book for all new managers and have them read it. Um, I, I, I think that just his idea of service and hospitality reaches out outside our industry, even mm-hmm. though it's about the restaurant. Mm-hmm. It's really about customer service yeah. and, and and taking care of the, the, the customer. And 
inspiration out of out of reading his book. Um, I go back and read it from time to time because it keeps you grounded and and, and, and helps you realize the business you're in. Yes, it's food and beverage. Guess what? It's really about taking care of your guest and, and, and your customer. And uh, that's the, really the business that we're in, right? Amen to that. We're both huge fans of Danny's. And uh, so, uh, wow, that's, that's really a great comment. I appreciate that. Lee, um, man, this has been so instructive and educational, and uh, you've provided so many pearls of wisdom for our our listeners. I I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for being part of the Corner Booth, man. I really enjoyed it, guys. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks again to all our friends at Benny Keith Food Company for sponsoring us here at the Corner Booth. They're the home of the independent restaurant operator because they believe in your success. If you're interested in learning more about how their products, services, and other value-added items can help you grow and succeed, please contact them, 832-652-5888, or visit them on the web, bennykeith.com slash food slash host. Thanks for joining us today on The Corner Booth. Until next time, it's Chris Tripoli and Barry Schuster saying thanks so much. Hope to see you again soon right here in The Corner Booth. Till then, go make it a good shift. <laughs>